Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 26. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let's pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in Your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, today we've witnessed the reception of some believers into a local church, a few of which are new believers in Jesus Christ. And we've heard from two of them about how and why they became believers in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to take a step back and just ask the question, why would anybody, why would someone become a Christian? Why would someone become a believer in Jesus Christ? And um, that is to say, what is it about the message of Christianity, which we often call the gospel, the good news, what is it about the message of Christianity, the gospel, that is so compelling that many millions believe it. And those here today who are joining with this church have stood up publicly and said, I believe this message. I believe this gospel. What is it about it that is so compelling? And what we're going to see briefly today is that this gospel message does two things. It it presupposes the problem that humans have and that we all intuitively feel, and then it gives us the answer, the solution to that problem. Now, uh, the gospel itself isn't the problem. The gospel itself presupposes the problem, but we need to understand the problem in order to understand the solution. Now, the problem doesn't show up at the end of chapter 3 in Romans. The problem is from chapter 1 to chapter 3. And here... Paul, the writer of this, this letter, he takes the, the position of a prosecuting attorney and he uh, calls his witnesses uh, against humanity. And he calls his witnesses against the Jewish people. He calls his witnesses against the non-Jewish people. And then he comes to the conclusion. And that's the conclusion to which we come today. Now, the whole argument goes like this. If I can summarize it, it goes like this. There is a righteous God who expresses His righteousness in His law. And the second point of this argument is that He has given this law to all humanity. In some cases, the very favored, the Jewish people, had His law written. And then... Uh, others who are not Jewish, they have, and we have, always had the law written both in the book of nature and also written on our consciences. So, um, all of us know about the, the righteous law of God. And the problem is that those who know 
about God and have knowledge of God through nature and our conscience, we resist that knowledge. We don't want that knowledge. We don't want to know God. And those who, the Jewish people, who have God's law written in, in their, their book, uh, they disobey it. And so, those who know it by one means or another resist it and disobey it. So the conclusion, and that's where we get today, the conclusion is that no one, no one is righteous before God, that is to say, in a right relationship with God, by means of the law. And that's where we pick up the argument today. Paul gets to the conclusion, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, and that's everybody, Jews and Gentiles, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. And this is legal language. So this is when the defendant has nothing more to say. When the, def- the, the, the prosecutor has so proved the case that, that the defendant has nothing to say and he shuts his mouth. She shuts her mouth. Nothing more to say in his or her own defense. And simply bows his or her head and is accountable to God, accountable to the judgment of God for having violated his law. That's, that's the problem. Now, this description of humanity, it, it really expresses what we all intuitively feel. We all intuitively feel this, even if we don't believe this yet. We, we, we intuitively feel, this is how humans are all over the world, all through history, that there is such a thing as right, and there is such a thing as wrong. There is such a thing as good, and there is such a thing as evil. Now, of course, there have been some philosophers who have denied that, but break into their house and steal their things, and they will say, that's wrong. And so, whether, whether the philosophy agrees or not, they intuitively understand that there is right and there is wrong. And that has to come from somewhere, or rather from someone that is superior, that is above. And we also, if we agree that there is some wrong and there is right, then we also look around and we say there's something wrong with the world. Now, once again, there are a few philosophers who say that, that the, there's nothing wrong with the world, but, but they live in a different world than the rest of us live in. And most of us understand that there is something wrong, deeply wrong with the way the world is. And then in our more honest moments, we recognize there's something deeply wrong with the way I am. And so this description of humanity that we find here in Romans, it fits with what we intuitively understand about ourselves and about our world. Now, if we recognize this is our situation before God, the main solution that humans have come up with is, well, if we haven't done a good job up to this point in obeying the law, well, let's get at it. Let's try to do a better job of obeying the law. And, and that's, the, that's the solution of the, the religions of the world. They say, let's try to come up with different formulas in order to, to make uh, humans better so that they can obey the law better. And um, this is what you find also in, in popular music. It's what you find in most funerals where the gospel is not central. It's what you find if you ask the man on the street or the woman on the street, what's your hope for after you die? And they'll say, well, I'm, I'm trying to do a good job. I, I haven't done that much wrong. I try to keep the Ten Commandments. I do some sort of law keeping. And that's, that's the, the hardwired answer of humanity. I don't listen to, I don't drive much. I try to be on my bicycle more than in the car. Um, 
I, uh, and when I'm in the car, I usually am listening to an audio book, but every once in a while I'll turn on the radio, and if I turn on the radio, I tend to put on country music. And there's only one country music station in South Florida, and they don't seem to have a very big playlist. And so it seems like whenever I turn it on, they're playing the same songs. One of them is called uh, Where I Come From. And it, the, the chorus is, Where I Come From, It's Cornbread and Chicken. Where I Come From, A Lot of Front Porch Sitting. Where I Come From, uh, Trying to Make a Living. Where I Come From, Working Hard to Get to Heaven. Where I Come From. And that last line, where I come from, we're working hard to get to heaven. And I think he's saying we're working harder than the people in other parts of the country or parts of the world. But, but the presupposition is that if we haven't done a good job in measuring up, well, let's try to measure up now. But Paul says that that won't work. Verse 20, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified, that is, accepted, declared to be right before God, uh, through the law. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the law is that which points out our sin, so it's not going to help us uh, become rescued from our sin. How many of you how many of you would like to be better looking? Yeah, I mean I think we all probably would like to be better looking in some way or another, right? Right? Um, yeah. Well, there are different ways to try to do that. But this is a way that won't work. And that is, buy yourself a lighted magnifying mirror. If you buy yourself a a lighted magnifying mirror and look into that mirror constantly, that's not going to make you better looking. In fact, what's it going to do? You're going to say, oh, I never noticed that. Why, Why are the wrinkles so big? I didn't realize they were so pronounced and that, and that, that mark and that, that, asymmetry in my face and what, what that what that magnifying lighted mirror is going to do it's going to it's going to point out the defects in your beauty rather than help you become more beautiful and that's how the law is yes we should look into the law but the law is not going to help us to become more righteous the law is going to point out our defects and so we can't look to the law for our rescue so what can we do and this is where the good news comes in and there is a there is a A transition here. It's a huge transition. Verse 21, but now, but now. And Paul says here, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. What's he saying here? Okay, you understand that the law tells us about the righteousness of God. We got that. But that didn't work for us because we couldn't obey it. And so, there is a righteousness that is not through the law. Another kind of righteousness. But this is nothing new. The law itself and the prophets anticipated this righteousness. And then he explains what that righteousness is. He says, verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God, or we could translate from God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, what I want you to notice about this righteousness is that it goes in exactly the opposite direction from the righteousness that is according to the law. The righteousness of the law works like this. It comes to us and it says, this is the righteous standard. This is God's righteous standard. So produce this and give this righteousness to God and see if it works out for you. That's what the law says. 
It says, you take, you produce righteousness, and then you give, you present that righteousness to God. But we've seen that that doesn't work, because we can't present it. We can't do it. So, we have this righteousness, this righteousness that goes in the other direction. It is from God for us, not from us for God. Righteousness of the law, from us, for God. Righteousness by faith, from God, for us. And that's the difference in these righteousnesses. righteousnesses. One is ours to God, and the other is God's to us. And it says here that this righteousness is for all who believe, without distinction. He says there is no distinction in those who need it, for all have sinned and fall short of reflecting God's glory. Verse 22 and then, or 23, and then 24, and are justified by His grace as a gift, as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, um, what do you need to do? What, um, what qualifications do you need to have in order to receive a gift? None. No qualifications whatsoever. See, the righteousness of the law has all sorts of qualifications, but the righteousness that is by faith has none because it is a gift. And a gift, all you need to do is receive it. And the way to receive it is by faith. And here, uh, the description is, the two terms so far, uh, the the first big word is justification, which means being made right before God. The second big word is redemption, which is payment with a price to rescue somebody from slavery. So he says that this gift, while free to us, if we believe in Christ, is costly to God. Because he says here, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a, here's another big word, propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Justification, a right standing before God. Redemption, purchase by Christ's death from our slavery to sin. And then propitiation, the rescue from the punishment that our sins deserve. Christ taking that punishment for us. Now, um, when when I would present this to people in Mexico, and I would say it's a free gift, and all you need to do is trust in Christ to have this, this free gift, they would often say to me, Así de fácil? Así de fácil? It's that easy? It's that easy? And they were offended by that. They would say, that, that can't be. It can't be right that it's that easy. And I would always, always answer this, Fácil para quién? Easy for whom? Easy for whom? Easy for Christ? Not at all. It cost him his life. Easy for us? Yes. Because costly for him. Free for us because costly to Christ. Now, um, this actually presents something of a problem. And Paul addresses that problem. This is not a problem that we come up with. This is not a problem that would occur to us. And that is, if God forgives us of our sin, makes us right before Him, not on the basis of anything we've done, and if we have broken His law and we deserve punishment, but He doesn't give us that punishment, but rather He gives us righteousness and a right standing before Him, that sounds like it's not fair. It's not fair. 
Because what did God do with His justice? Did He say, okay, this is my righteous standard, just kidding? I'm not going to apply this in your case? And so it, it, it really calls into question whether God's really serious about His own justice or not. And Paul goes on to answer and say that indeed He is, and in fact, the cross demonstrates that He is serious about His own righteousness. Because it says, "...whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins." And he had failed to punish former sins in all of the severity that they deserved. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, what's going on here? Paul's raising the question, can God do that? Can God forgive sinners? Can God declare them to be righteous when they're really sinners? Isn't that a fiction? Isn't that a lie? Isn't that playing fast and loose with His own laws of justice? Can God really be just at the same time as He justifies sinners? And the answer is yes. Look at the cross of Jesus Christ. God didn't. He didn't bypass His judgment. He satisfied His judgment. He didn't, he didn't say, say, no, I won't take my law into account. He satisfied His own law. He didn't say, no, sin doesn't have to be punished. He punished sin, but He punished it on Jesus. So, Jesus fully satisfied all the demands, the righteous, just demands of the law. God didn't overlook His requirement. He Himself fulfilled them for all who have faith. That's why He can be just, not sacrifice His own justice, in the least, and at the same time, justify, declare, righteous, accept all who have faith. And look how many times here, look how many times here that he mentions faith. He says in verse verse 21, verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Uh, Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Uh, verse 26, He's just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. He doesn't want us to miss the point. How can we have this gift? How can we receive it? How can it be ours? How can we have these three benefits that He's mentioned here? Right standing before God, justification, freedom, rescue from our sins, uh, uh, redemption, and uh, freedom from the punishment that our sins deserve, propitiation. And the answer is faith in Christ. Faith in in Christ. Now, let's go back to the original question. Why would somebody want to become a Christian? Why would these people who became Christians and they told us their story today, why did I become a Christian? Why, for those of you who are Christians, why did you become Christians? Why would anybody want to become a Christian? And the answer is this, because we've recognized our own inability to measure up to God's righteous standard. And we've recognized that Jesus completely fulfilled God's righteous standard on our behalf, living perfectly and paying the penalty for our sins. And because we want to be put in a right relationship with God, we want to be redeemed from our sins, and we want to be spared from the judgment that our sins deserve. We want that justification, we want that redemption, and we want that propitiation. That's that's why someone would become a Christian. That's why I became a Christian. Those of you who are Christians, that's why you became a Christian as well. And if, if many of us have, if many, many millions and millions have throughout all the ages, then why not you today? Why not you, if you have not yet come to this place, 
to believe in Jesus and receive these gifts from Him that He has purchased at cost to Himself, then now is the time to come and to say, yes, I cannot fulfill God's law. Christ fulfilled it. Christ died for me. Christ rose for me. And this I believe. And because I believe, this I receive as a gift from Him. Let's pray. Oh God, I thank You for those who have come to faith through the preaching of Your Word. Thank You for calling us to faith, those of us who believe. And Father, I pray that You would call even more. That we would be enabled to lay aside our own supposed righteousness according to Your law and that we receive the the righteousness that comes from You, and that is received by faith and faith alone. And I pray for any hearing Your Word today in this place or in any other place, that You would open hearts, and that we would receive this good news by faith in Christ. And we pray in His name. Amen.